In Grace Place family, both those of you online and on campus, we're so glad that you're here today. And happy Father's Day to all of you, um, all the guys, uh, all the dads that are here, but all of those of you who are men who play a role like that in the life of uh, other uh, young people and children, we're just so grateful uh, for you and, and the role of a man in our society. And, and uh, God is using men to do some great things. Hopefully we can inspire you to lead forward today as we are still in the book of Exodus. In a moment, we'll turn uh, together and look at a passage out of Exodus chapter 32, verse 1 through 7. So uh, if you want to find your place there and get ready, we'll read in just a moment. I wanted to say um, a couple of things. We had a chance to go uh, yesterday, run down quickly, and see our newest grandbaby again one more time. <laughs> and uh, what a proud dad uh, that Zach is and a great mom that Lauren is. And it was just so awesome to get a chance to, um, you know, to be with them and to see uh, God stirring and, and uh, doing the things that he does as he prepares us to be parents, you know. And uh, we were getting ready to go out, and Zach is like, can you get the sunscreen? Can you get sunscreen for the baby, you know? <laughs> because the sun is up, and it's going to be hot. And, and so uh, the, all the things that you worry about as parents, just beginning for them, you know, just to start. <laughs> and all those things that are, that are going on in um, the life as you begin your journey as a parent. And we have uh, raised three and uh, adopted some along the way. So there's been many that God has used us to influence and be like moms and dads too. And it's been such a joy. I do want to encourage you. Uh, we have, Jake talked about the sign up uh, at the back. And then I have the book today. So uh, if, if you get signed up, we'd like to get you the book. If you're anything like me and a little bit of a slow reader, then you may want to get a jump on it. And you can. Uh, we're going to be going uh, four chapters. Uh, we have four sessions like the ladies did for the, their book. So four chapters before we get into the first um, of our lessons. So uh, we have these available. So when you sign up, come see me. The books are available. Get you plugged in. So everybody ready for the day? Afterwards, you know, going to take dad to the most expensive restaurant, the biggest steak. Is that what it is? Out there? Yeah, okay. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 32, turn with me there and let's begin with verse 1. Titled this message today, When Leaders Are Absent or When Men Lead, kind of a subtitle, When Men Lead. Exodus chapter 32 beginning at verse 1. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come make us gods that shall go before us. For as for Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off golden earrings, uh, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, uh, which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their land, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool, and made a molded calf. 
Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And so Aaron saw, uh, saw it, and, and he built up an altar before it. And Aaron uh, made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And then they rose early, and the next day offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, Lord, inviting your presence here today to open our hearts and minds to teach us, God, the importance of leadership as we make observations passing through this text that you're, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit would be there to enlighten us. And when we come to the section of application that we would be those, Lord, who apply it to our lives and make uh, a, a submission and surrender to your Lordship over our lives. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. So here's a quick snapshot of what we just read. Having grown impatient for Moses to return from the mountain, the Israelites turned from God and began to worship a man-made idol. This is uh, not the fault of Moses, and I want to make that clear because we're going to go through and make observations in the text, and we're not blaming Moses for not being the leader. It's clear earlier in the passage that uh, what Moses was doing, and it very much is leadership, and he's up on the mountain, and he's, he's collecting the Ten Commandments that God is giving him, and uh, he's with God and in the presence of God as God is giving him those Ten Commandments. And so... Uh, it's not the fault of Moses what's, what's unfolding here, so I want to make that clear. Uh, it's not because he was a poor leader, it's not because he made any kind of bad decision, but I think there are some key observations that we can make today uh, about what happens as we look at this text when spiritual leadership is absent from the community. And, and uh, so I want to begin with, uh, with this question for all of us to, to think through. What happens when the leader is absent. In the text, we can see it didn't take long for a lot to happen. Let's make it uh, very personal, though, for us today who are present. When the man we call dad is not leading, who leads? Wherever a leadership vacuum is created, other forces will attempt to fill that void. Who filled the leadership vacuum for you when you grew up without a leader. Darren Patrick, which is the author of the book that we're going to be going through, he's an author and a pastor, uh, and he doesn't allow men to have any excuses for missing leadership. He asks a probing question and places the responsibility right back on uh, the shoulders of men. He says, will you lead your life or will you let it be led uh, by someone else? Will you lead your life or will you let it be led for you? Whatever you received from your father or whatever you did not receive, the responsibility to lead falls on our shoulders. There are no mulligans when we stand before God on Great Judgment Day, right? 
We use a lot of that today with one another and in our society it's very popular to lay blame and to justify. But before God, there, is no, uh, there will be no excuses for us in terms of not leading forward. It is a responsibility that you and I are to lead. We're called to it by Scripture. Uh, we can't use with God, oh, you know, God, I, I didn't lead because my dad was always absent. He was absent when I was growing up. I didn't lead God because my dad was not a Christian, and he didn't show me how to lead like a Christian. I didn't lead dad because my dad was, uh, I didn't lead God because my dad was abusive. I didn't lead because my dad allowed my mom to lead instead. We each have the responsibility to learn and to practice good and godly leadership. But as men, we are called to spiritual leadership of our households. We've gone through this when we walked through Ephesians and talked about that. Lawrence did a great job of presenting uh, the section of the husband um, over the wife and, and talking through what that meant and how, that, how we live that out and walk that out. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3 says, But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of, every, uh, of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. It is, uh, leading for Christian men is a mandate. It's, it's not something that, that is optional for us. And our text uh, reveals that it's important, how important spiritual leadership is to the community. Immediately when they, they sense that there is no leadership in the community, then uh, they begin to take things into their own hands. So let's walk through the text and, and make some observations, and then I want to move on to applying these observations to our life. So the first thing we see here is in the absence of Moses uh, as a spiritual leader, the community has a leadership crisis. And wherever men are, are absent from leadership, there is in that community a leadership crisis. One of the observations we can make is that spiritual leadership voids will always be filled. The people didn't say, well, there's no leader. Let's all sit around and wait to see if a leader comes. They pretty quickly, I mean, Moses was up there for 40 days. That's, uh, that's a long time, you know, for someone to be away. But they knew he was coming back. He had done things like this before. He had gone up and come back. And, and, uh, but in this instance, you see these people immediately begin to seek to fill that void. The demand will not stop until someone or something fills the void. We read it a moment ago. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron. And they gave him instructions. They said, we want you to lead us, and here's a good suggestion as to how you can lead us. You can come make us gods that shall go before us. It didn't take them long to start looking for, uh, to fill that leadership void, but the community around you is, is, uh, will appoint a leader if you do not lead. The second thing that we see here is that spiritual leaders, an observation of the text, spiritual leaders provide direction for worship and what is valued in the community. Spiritual leadership always provide direction uh, for worship and uh, what is most valued in the community. It says, and, and, and they said to him, come make us gods that shall go before us. Now, once appointed uh, the new leader, 
Aaron doesn't have an excuse either. He, he, you know, he was probably fearful. He was worried about what the people might do. But Aaron, even in listening to the suggestions of the people, had an opportunity to lead different. But he did not. Aaron is expected to provide for uh, the spiritual leadership. There's no excuses for him. The people give him suggestions, but ultimately he's the appointed one at that moment to be the leader. And he had every opportunity to step up and spiritually lead correctly. When Moses returns, uh, Aaron is going to blame the people. (laughs) But Aaron led the people. He, he He did not just listen to the people. He led them. And abdication of leadership and, and uh, you know, allowing other group consensuses to lead is also leading. And God is going to hold us accountable as men for that. He's called us to lead the way spiritually. It's not easy. We are especially in a time and a season where it's unpopular to lead God's way. And to rise up and to lead that way It's challenging. It's challenging in our own homes. It's challenging in our communities. The third observation that we make in looking at this passage is that the cost of worship is the same. The results are different. What do you mean by that? The cost of leadership is the same. The results are different. It says, And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings, which are uh, in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings uh, that were, which were in their ears, and they brought them to Aaron. And he received the, uh, the gold in his hand, and he fashioned it uh, with an engraving tool, and he made a molded calf. Later he'll tell Moses it just jumped out of the fire. But here <laughs> he's molding it and shaping it. Let me point out something really important that's going to make the point of the observation here. The Hebrew words that are used there for broke off golden earrings which were in their ears, the the language there, that phrase, that language, literally in, in, in our understanding, our best understanding that I can convey to you is it literally means they ripped them out of their ears, tearing their ears, tearing the skin away, It was a violent picture of a desperate and a fearful people. What am I saying when I say the cost of worship is the same? The results are different. They were literally giving everything, just like you would give everything to God, all of your your energies, all of your strengths. And I'm not saying that we tear our ears and offer flesh sacrifices. I'm just saying we pour it all out before God. We give everything when he is the owner of our lives. And so, too, whatever you worship that is not God gets it all. They brought these items to Aaron, and many of which probably still had human flesh attached to it. And Notice that Aaron crafts what the people want, but he knows better as a leader, but he's either too tired, too fearful, or too cowardly to make the right stand in that moment. And immediately after Aaron completes the, the, the work, the people make a declaration. Immediately after, after he finishes. Then they said, the people are saying this, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. In other words, this is the way we will worship. 
We will tear our bodies. We will give our gold. We will fashion him in the image that we like, we understand, we accept. And then God will do as we ask him to do. And so when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is the feast of the Lord. And then they rose up on the next day. And listen to this. They offered burnt offerings, peace offerings. The people sat together to drink. They rose up to play. Aaron is now enjoying the applause of the people to a certain extent as a leader. Yeah, I did, I did what the people wanted. And, uh, you know, uh, there, there are times as a leader that you're leading and everybody wants to go that way. And it's, it is a joy. <laughs> to lead the way people want to go, you know, it's like, um, it's, uh, it's like the, the, uh, the scout master that uh, a troop of, another troop found running through the woods, like his hair was on fire, and um, they said, you know, they stopped him and said, what's, what's wrong, what's, what's the matter, he thought there was some kind of crisis or something, he goes, I, I can't find uh, my boy scouts, he said, uh, uh, I'm their leader, <laughs> he's fleeing through the woods, and evidently, he's not their leader. <laughs> they have scattered into the wilderness. And so the other troop has to go help find these wandering boys who don't have a leader. He crafts an altar, uh, Aaron does, and then he invites the people to celebrate. Now, the people give what belongs to God. Notice this, and we just read it a moment ago, to this idol created uh, by their chosen new leader, spiritual leader here. What do they give to him? They give burnt offerings. They give peace offerings. They sat down to eat and drink. What is that? That's a fellowship offering. They're offering their, their community and they're, they're, uh, they're, you know, they're celebrating with one another and, and rejoicing. That is ever bit worship to God. When we come together as community and we're enjoying fellowship and talking about the goodness of God and rejoicing in, in the relationship that we have with one another as, as believers and followers of Christ, that's, that's an offering to God. He receives it. And he loves it. And then they, they are, it says that they, um, their play, their play, which, which is one that I want to take a moment just to explain. That's the, from the Hebrew word sohag. Uh, it means to uh, literally to indulge in physical sexual play. This, this was what was going on in other cultures that they were watching worship false gods. And they, they adapted it and owned it for as, a, as an offering as, as unto the Lord. This was the way that other uh, communities that they had, had gone into that were worshiping false gods were worshiping in their temples. They were, they were reveling in, in, uh, in, in this activity uh, and sexual play. And it's a picture of, of them giving what is most intimate and giving it away uh, to idolatry. What, what, is, what is most precious, what is most intimate, what is reserved um, by God for the intimate relationship between a husband and wife. And the Lord said to Moses, go get down. For your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. I want to take a moment to walk through and most of the applications, you've already probably connected the dots, but take a moment just to walk through again and remind us that dads, a, a vacuum of spiritual leadership in your family will be filled. It'll, it'll be filled by friends. 
It'll be filled by teachers, coaches, pop culture, influencers. If you don't step up, somebody will step up and take that role and will lead your children spiritually for you. That's why God wants us to rise up and to lead spiritually as, as men to, to declare this is the way of the Lord. We're going to walk in it together. Whoever spiritually leads your family, another application we take out of the text, whoever spiritually leads your family will influence how and who they worship. Whoever gets the most influence spiritually in your family is going to determine how and who they worship. How they will worship and who they will worship. And we begin the year by saying, you know, all the gospel for all the people. And leaders, spiritual leaders, sometimes make decisions that, you know, they will carve it out the way they want, as, as Aaron did. You know, this is how we'll worship God. We'll put up a, an idol, and that will be our focal point. That will be what we look at. That will be how we worship. And who they worship. Your family will worship with their resources, their time, their talent, their mind, and their energy. They'll give it all. Whatever they choose to be um, God in their lives, they will give it all. They will lay it all out there, blood, sweat, and tears. As we said a moment ago, the cost of worship is the same. It's the outcome that's different. One will lead us to eternal life, faithful relationship with God, God is Father. One will, will take us into the joys of relationship with Him for eternity. And one will lead us away from Him and into, into a lost state. They will give what belongs to God to what they worship. Where does their tithe go? Where does their tithe of time, their tithe of finances, their tithe of of using their gifts, it's going to go to what they worship, whatever they're giving themselves to completely and wholly. Most of what will happen on the battlefield of life is determined by what we do before we get there. Our homes, dads, are campuses for Christ. They're places where we're preparing our kids for a very real battlefield that is out there. It's, it is unreal what's going on in our world around us right now. It's beyond what I could ever think of. I often go back to remembering David Wilkerson's uh, vision, and there was a point of it where he shared about that there would, in these last days, the enemy would literally vomit out on the earth in, in, uh, in, this, in this horrible sense of, of uh, the things that, that forever you and I would call, um, we would all be able to agree on as, as you know, being uh, incredibly horrible things to expose our children to, are now the things that our world seeks to normalize and expose our children to. Men as leaders, our homes, our are. Christian schools. We get a chance right there to educate our kids, to, to tell them about the ways of God, to communicate to them the truths of Scripture. And I want to say to you this too, 
You can do it. You can do it. God has equipped you. God has strengthened you. And you can do this. God has given you the ability to do it. It is a matter of us, you know, surrendering to his lordship over our lives and allowing him to work through us. We can lead our, our families spiritually so that they, when they get on the battlefield, they're going to prevail in Jesus' name. If you're wondering how, here's how. I'm going to invite our worship team to come. First of all, be present in God's presence in worship. Make sure that worship is not just the Sunday service. That's great. We come here and we're worshiping. But make sure that's all week long. We're worshiping God. We're putting him first. We're prioritizing him in our life. The second thing is to be coachable. Say yes to the Holy Spirit. Say yes to spiritual leadership that's around you to, to help educate you and, and grow you and, and make you the person that God wants you to be. We have opportunities in our church for classes like this and coming together and praying and being encouraged by one another. Take advantage of that. Be coachable. I'm still learning. We're all still learning how to do the best we can do to glorify God. The third is to, to lead your family spiritually. Pray over them. Bring them to community and, and model a godly life. Lead your family in devotions. Have weekly devotions with your family. Love your mother. You know, we used to sit down in our home and my dad would, uh, would talk about passages of Scripture and explain them to us. And, you know, my brother and I and my sister are sitting on the, you know, the rug. I can still get the mental picture and my mom and dad on the couch. And, and it just, we were excited to learn and understand better God's Word. And we would have these devotional times. And then we would pray together as a family. Join hands and pray for whatever needs were going on. God is for you, men, and I am for you, and your family is for you. What I'm going to ask you to do is, is if everyone would stand, you're in close proximity to um, a man, and uh, if you wouldn't mind you know, laying hands on them, and we're going to agree that God's going to raise them up as mighty, great leaders. I appreciate the guys uh, in the church here who are leading in a great way and, and leading your families. I love you guys. I see God anointing on you, and I want to pray that the encouragement of the Lord over your life this morning. Father, I thank you for our men. I thank you for uh, their, their, uh, the call of leadership that's on their life. But I thank you for all that you have been doing. And, I, and we want to just take a moment to give them a shot in the arm and encourage them that this is what we want and what we need is we need to be uh, men that who lead in community, who lead in our family, Lord, who show the way to God. And it's so powerful when we take our, our role as men and we move forward and do what you've called us to do. God, I thank you for these guys. Those that are watching online, I thank you for them, Lord, and all that you've been doing in their life. It's not an easy time to lead. But it's a crucial time that we should rise up and lead and say, this is the way, walk in it. God has great things in store for our community and for our uh, families and for our children. Let nothing, let nothing, no one stop the work that you want to do in every home and every heart and every life. It's a part of our community. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for our men and all you've been doing in their lives in Jesus' name. 
in Jesus' name. While you're still standing, we have those uh, nearby your elements to receive for communion today. That which represents the body of the Lord Jesus that was broken for us. Jesus led the way for us. He showed the way to the cross. There were times that Jesus was misunderstood. He was not liked. And of course, uh, there were times that he, that, you know, we read about uh, the season of Easter when, you know, the, the Palm Sunday and he has this great entourage of people that are welcoming him and every leader needs to stay grounded, right? Because you're never as good as you think you are or as bad as others might want to portray you. And so you have to kind of stay grounded. And Jesus didn't get caught up in the conceit or the, of the moment of them praising him because he recognized that down the line that many of those same people were going to be saying, crucify him, crucify him. There are challenges for us leading forward. God's word is, it challenges each and every one of us. And there are things that, you know, we, we have um, uh, to share in our, our time, in our season, as we're leading those that are around us that are not popular. And there's other times that there's things that are popular. We're like, yeah, everybody loves that, you know? But Jesus was broken. He was wounded. He was bruised, crown of thorns on his head, and he carried the cross. And so as leaders, we do, we carry the cross uh, that has been given to us by Christ. And as we remember the body that was broken for us today, and this is what we're asked to do when we come together in communion, let's Let's be that broken body for our world. Willing to lead even when it's unpopular. Willing to point people to Jesus. Even when our world may not want to hear about it or see Jesus. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, holding that which represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. We remember what was accomplished for us on Calvary. That gives us the courage and the strength to rise up and to lead today because you stayed the course all the way. You never gave up. Even at the point of hanging on the cross to say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And I'm praying, God, you would help us to be leaders as men in our community, to rise up, to encourage, to point the way to Jesus that you would be glorified in our lives and everything. And as we receive this, we remember what you accomplished for us. And we ask that our bodies would be broken for those around us as food for those in need, that they would receive spiritual food from us as it comes from you through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Receive that which represents the body. Father, we thank you for the blood that was shed at Calvary every drop. It didn't just happen at the cross, all, all the way to the cross, because you were wounded 
with the stripes on your back and the crown of thorns on your head and that blood that dripped all the way to Calvary. Every drop so precious, representing forgiveness, Lord, representing um, your, your love for us, God, your grace, your mercy. And Father, that we as leaders would, would recognize, God, that um, the wounds that may happen along the way are leaving behind a trail for others to find Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all you accomplished on our behalf. As we receive this today, we give glory and honor to you, and we thank you that your blood was shed for us, your body was broken for us, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, chastisement of our sin was upon you, and with your stripes, Lord, we are healed. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take a moment just to thank him. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for what that represents That in receiving communion today, that your body was broken for us, your blood was shed for us. We rejoice in that, and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for that, that beautiful atonement gift. We give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. 